Buzz in Baltimore, a podcast about craft beverages in Maryland. I am once again on a Zoom call, and this time with the fabulous Ashley Mack. She has worked in bars all over Baltimore, including Our House and True Chesapeake Oyster House, and she is now the bar manager at Nihau in Canton. And she is also a sober bartender, sober tender, and we're going to get into all of that. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Jess, thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm so happy. Thank you Yay. for having me. And Ashley was just sharing you just bought a house. Like, like how recently? Like four days ago. Oh, my God. Well, thank yeah. you especially <laughs> for taking the time to be here because I know how stressful that process is. We just went through it in December. Um, doing it during COVID is an extra layer of interesting things that goes on. Um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy, but I am officially a homeowner in Baltimore City, and I'm very excited about it. So I totally said four days ago, but I'm realizing right now that it's been exactly one week. It's just felt like four days <laughs> because Time I is thought it was pretty cool. I bought the house on my own, and it's awesome because it was like the first day of Women's Month. Yes. And I did this like huge thing that on a bartender's salary, like it was very difficult to prove to them, the mortgage company, my income, and that I could afford to buy a house. So it was a huge win for me to be like, yes, I can do this. Totally. It's, it's a lot. There's like a certain judgment that comes with when you don't have just one W2 or something and you're working with 1099s or whatever, and you have to sort of justify that kind of income. Um, all of it. So I'm sure that was a big hurdle, but makes it all the more exciting that you're in there and painting and spackling and putting up chandeliers. <laughs> Making it mine. Making it mine. <laughs> I well, should I, say ours. Yeah. My husband lives here too. So. Yeah, but you bought it. International it's Women's true. Month. I think today is International Women's Day too. It is. So we really timed this. Happy day, girl. Happy day to you too. We timed this well. I'm excited because I picked up some to-go cocktails from Nihau that I'm going to be sipping during the podcast. So I don't know if this is as pretty as what you would have done, but I did some crushed ice in a mason jar for the... Do you want to talk about what this... This is the... Um, inch of gold. The inch cool. of gold. I have the spirit-free version. Same thing you're drinking. I have it here at home, so I'm going to crack mine open and join you. So it's actually much prettier in person because it looks very layered. This cocktail itself has Giffard aperitif syrup, which is one of my favorite uh, non-alcoholic ingredient. It's yeah. basically, it's essentially a non-alcoholic Campari. It's very bitter. It's an aperitif syrup. It's great. And it's bright red. So that's at the bottom of your glass. And it also has tangerine syrup. Uh, it's really like a tangerine jam. It's a very thick syrup. Um, a pineapple allspice shrub that I make in-house, and then it's topped with jasmine tea, and it is thebomb.com. And we also have an alcoholic version made with baijiu, which is a Chinese spirit. It's kind of like a Chinese whiskey. Baijiu is super cool. So That's so cool. Okay, I want to get into all that um, when okay. we talk about Ni Hao later, but I will say I did have a friend of mine DM me the other day randomly to talk about how great the cocktails are at Ni Hao. And he specifically called out the Baijiu and said it was something he had never heard of. And he was just so excited. So yes, you think people are noticing things are happening. Um, and we'll get into all that, but I was kind of hoping we could rewind a little bit. Um, it's funny because okay. I feel like I know you so well because we have so many mutual friends and right? <laughs> I just, I feel like we're, but I, I actually don't know a ton about you. And so I was, I'm really excited to get to know you. Are, are you from Baltimore, Maryland originally? Like where, where are you from and how did you end up in this crazy town? 
It sure feels like I'm from here. This is definitely home, especially now that I just bought that house. But no, I'm not originally from here. I am from Westchester, Pennsylvania, suburbs of Philadelphia. And I always knew that I would end up in a city. I just always thought that city would be Philadelphia. I moved to Baltimore in 2012 with a group of girlfriends from college. None of us were doing anything with our degrees. I have a degree in broadcast uh, journalism. Oh, so. hell yeah. Another high five. Yeah. yeah, that's well, yeah cool. I worked I worked in radio for a little bit and decided that it was not for me. Um, mm-hmm. So we moved to Baltimore and everybody I moved here with after a year, they were like, I don't like it. They left. And I was like, oh. I love it. I'm staying. Yeah. So, been, I'm coming up on nine years and I absolutely love it. It's a great time. So what was the reason that you were like, I'm going to stay put? Like, what, what did you like about Baltimore? I, so my parents, long story short, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the early nineties, it was not a safe place to take your kids to veterans stadium, which is where the Phillies and the Eagles played. And my parents are huge Philadelphia sports fans. In fact, they met at a flyers game. So oh, that's awesome. I have a huge obsession with the flyers. I have a flyers tattoo. I am obsessed with gritty. We can talk hockey some other time. I am but... also obsessed with gritty. I think he's so funny. Every time I see a picture of gritty, I just laugh. Like, yeah, I don't know what it is. It just brings me so much joy. He is the stuff of nightmares and dreams at the very same time. I <laughs> that's, love that's the best way to put pretty. it. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So it wasn't Veteran Stadium was not a place to take children. So my parents used to take us to Baltimore for the weekend all the time. Go to Orioles games, go to the aquarium. Yeah. And then my older sister is went to Towson. So okay. once she went to college, I started visiting her and I was like, wow, I really like this city. And then after a year of being here, I think it's the perfect city for me. Philly is very large. It's very amazing. And Baltimore has that like neighborhood feel to it, even though it's a large city. And I also think that it has the right type of weird for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone is not afraid to be themselves here. And I love my Philly peeps, but they're all Johns. Like they all, Mm -hmm. they're all kind of Philly people. Like, you know them exactly like you're from Philly. I'm sure people look at us and they're like, oh, you're definitely from Baltimore. But I feel like everyone here is so unique and has their own unique story. And I love it. I just love it here. That's such a great description. Yeah. I've always felt like Philly was sort of a big version of Baltimore in a lot of ways. Like they have a lot of parallels. Um, Oh yeah. But there's like a toughness about Philly that Baltimore has a, maybe a little more sensitivity then or something. And so maybe there's like, a, there's just a little more allowance to be kind of weird and be yourself without fe- feeling judged necessarily. Yes. I'm not calling Philly judgmental, but there's like a tough attitude thing. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's so great. I'm so glad you stayed. So how did you get into the bar industry? I wanted yeah. to be a bartender ever since I was a child. I always loved going out oh. to eat with my parents and like, I don't know if it was like, it was like a Ruby Tuesdays or an Applebee's or whatever. Like I remember being there young and being like, this is like my version of a party, right? Being in a restaurant and the person who was running the party was the bartender. And I was like, I want to be that person. So my sister worked at Applebee's. I started hosting. I was a server. 
I've worked every job in a restaurant since I was 15 years old. So my first real bartending gig was at Floods, which is a little bar in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, because I went to school at East Stroudsburg University in the Poconos. And I also picked up a couple shifts at Pepper's Tavern in Ocean City, Maryland, which is no longer with us. It was my favorite bar in the entire world. I was going to say, I've never heard of Peppers. Oh, yeah. It was uh, underneath the boardwalk, essentially. And it was like a skate and punk bar in Ocean City for many years. So I oh, lived that sounds my, awesome. Yeah. I spent my summers in Ocean City from 2005 until 2012. Oh, 2011 was my last summer there. Uh, and I lived there from 2009 to 2011. Uh, year round, that's when I was working at the radio station, with the radio station above Secrets. Yeah. Oh, with the big tall tower. Oh, yeah. Got it. WOCM. Yeah. What? So, okay. I just I have some questions about the, the what it would have been like to work at Above Secrets, essentially. Oh, like there must it was some crazy stuff that went on. Best people watching ever. Our yeah. Christmas show, we were told to get off air because everyone was so intoxicated. It was like wild stuff happened. Yeah. I got to meet some really cool celebrities and it was, it was really awesome, but it's right on top of the bars at Secrets. So the station is there with all the open windows and you're just watching the debauchery that is Secrets while oh you're on air. It's God. great. I can't even imagine yeah, some of the weird stuff you saw. Fun. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you have been basically in the service industry your entire adult life. So I actually didn't start doing like craft cocktails until I got sober, which was in 2016. So I always worked at like what you would refer to as a sling drink bar. Like I'll have a Bud Light and a Jameson. High volume, loved it, loved it. And then I got sober and thought, thought I couldn't work in a bar. Somehow ended up falling into craft cocktails. So my first like craft cocktail bar was Bar Licorice over oh, in yeah. Sobo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I loved it. That place was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, well, I, I ended up working there just handing out popcorn because my now husband was my boyfriend then was the bar manager. Mm. So my home group from AA was across the street and the owner was kind enough to be like, if you need to leave to call your sponsor, go to a meeting, go right ahead. And my boyfriend was the bar manager so if I was having a bad time I could just kind of reach out to them and be like listen so that was my wow, first craft how- cocktail bar and I was sober that's <laughs> the irony the irony is definitely there and I congratulations are in order again because I saw you um just celebrated an anniversary or it's been four years and how many months nine months nine Two months on the sixth I people like don't celebrate anniversaries of months after a year but I say I do. Yeah, <laughs> so, you should. Like, it's yeah. So every every sixth, I have like a little. Oh, this is this is my sober day. You the know what I mean? Feels so, good. Yeah. Yeah. I hear my you. sober day is six six sixteen, and oddly enough, my season tickets for the Flyers are in row six, seat six, section two sixteen. Whoa, <laughs> that's some that's some universe weird stuff, and I right? I love that kind of stuff. That's a great yeah. sign. So how was that? Like, what what were the challenges that sort of came along with entering the craft cocktail world, making drinks at the same time while you were getting sober and and maintaining that as well? This is a hole that I could talk to you for hours about, right? There's feel free. So first off, if anybody is is thinking about getting sober and doesn't want to leave their job, 
it's possible. I'm living proof. However, early on in your sobriety, I do not recommend it until you have a stronghold on your sobriety. And if anybody tells you you're doing your sobriety wrong, they're wrong. Yeah. Every one of us is different, right? Mm -hmm. So I have friends who would love to be able to bartend, but can't and know they can't and therefore they do. So Long story short, at 29, I was a late stage alcoholic and I actually ended up having a seizure and, and essentially dying from alcohol withdrawal. I was mm. in the ICU for eight days in a hospital in Reading, Pennsylvania, and they told my mom, like, all of my organs failed. They basically told my mom to plan my funeral. Jesus. And yeah, it was Good very bad. Mom. Oh my gosh. I yeah. know. I know. I don't remember any of it. My mom mm. said, many years later, told me the ridiculous stuff I was saying when I was out, but... Um, all of my organs had failed, liver, kidneys, gallbladder, all of it. Um, mm. My organs started responding to the medication that they gave me. And when I came to, like, they were like, you need to go to rehab. And I, I had known for a very long time that I was an alcoholic and I wanted help. I just didn't know how to ask for help, which is one of the major lessons I learned going through rehab and being sober. And my word, it's amazing. Um, but they asked me if I wanted to go to rehab and I said, yes, I like, couldn't wait. I did, yeah. I did though, ask them if I could go back to Baltimore to get my things. And they were like, no. So I wow. went into a 30 day program and was, I was 89 pounds when I got into rehab. Oh my God. I was so weak that I couldn't even go to my programming my first 30 days. So they said, we recommend that you stay for, for a lot longer. So I ended up staying in rehab for four months. I made a promise to my parents and to my now husband, who was my boyfriend then, that I would never bartend again because it was too dangerous. I came back to Baltimore. Hmm. I did what's called a 90 for 90. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days all over the city. Anytime I could find one. I learned so much about the city of Baltimore because I never left my little Fells Point hole, right? Like we're really right. into our neighborhoods here. I never left. And I learned so much about Baltimore going to AA meetings, like where uh, everything was. Meetings are, I mean, I don't have to tell you, but from what I know, they're in the most random places. I mean, you know, churches so in whatever neighborhood yeah. in the city. Yep. Yeah, they're always in the church. Have you ever, if it's nighttime and people are standing outside of a church and drinking coffee or anywhere smoking outside cigarettes. drinking coffee, drinking coffee, smoking <laughs> cigarettes, that's an AA meeting or an NA meeting or yeah. any sort of anonymous meeting. Yeah. Right. Um, so I ended up coming home and trying to like acclimate myself and just being like, I can't, I want to do life sober, but I didn't have any money and I had lots of medical bills to pay. And the only thing I knew I'd been, I'd been in the restaurant industry since I was 15. Right. So I ended up working at bar licorice, just serving popcorn. And while I was there, I was in full communication with my sponsor, with my parents, with, even with my rehab still in Pennsylvania, I went to Karen in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm. And we all talked about it and I, I got to a point, it wasn't even a month later. I was like, I think I can bartend. Like the desire for me to get drunk just wasn't there or to even drink. It just wasn't there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I had the thoughts of like, it would be really cool. I still have those thoughts almost five years later. I'm like, it would be real nice to have a drink after of this course. hard day of work. Or like when I bought this house, they, like everybody was drinking champagne. I was like, I would love to have some champagne. I just bought a house. Did you get sparkling cider? I know it's not I sure tea. did. Okay, sparkling good. rosé cider. It was good, great. good, yeah. good. Just making sure you had some kind of bubbles. <laughs> yeah, I got married in October. Couldn't have any alcohol then. 
it's wild, right? Yeah. Um, but there are times that I still crave alcohol, but for me, because I, I think because I died and I saw what it did to my husband and to my parents and I, I'm so afraid of dying. Like I'm just not done yet. I'm not done yet. Like I yeah. know that I do something, whether it's like help someone else, which is what I'm really into is helping other people, especially now something I'm not done yet. So yeah. I just don't want to die. And I consider myself to be very fortunate because I know that others don't have it as easy. I call it easy. I do a lot of work to maintain my sobriety, but I know that a lot of other people struggle in ways that I don't. And that makes me feel for them a lot. And no, that's so inspirational. I mean, everyone, like you said, everyone is going through something different and, and everybody's different. And it sounds like you have a wonderful support system, which is so great. Um, and the fact that you have a passion, you know, it obviously makes it challenging that your passion has, you know, some wrinkles when it comes to, to sobriety. But if it's, it's almost like if you can do this and stay sober, like you can kind of do anything. And, and that's, that's sort of cool. Um, yeah. And, and I just think, you know, I, I know a couple other sober bartenders in Baltimore. I'm sure you're in connection with them too. And I've just always admired, cause I've said, you know, how do you taste your drinks? And, uh, you know, a couple people say they just do a little straw full and, and that's kind of how they just try it and that's it. Um, some people just go by, by scent or, you know, you try it with the, with the spirit free version and you add in, but I'm sure there are challenges when you're developing a recipe and you can't fully drink it or take a little shot of it or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. as you go along. So, the hospitality industry is everything to me, which is also helps in me staying here. Uh, and I, I do straw taste and I immediately spit. I don't swallow anything. Uh, I keep little like rules to myself. Like I won't try something uh, if I've had it before mm. or if I know what it's going to be like. I know what vodka tastes like. So I'm not going to drink your vodka. I'm sorry. Right. Um, but if I'm putting it in a cocktail and I need to know how that vodka tastes with other ingredients, I'm going to straw taste it. Mm -hmm. And I don't straw taste the alcohol components of my cocktail when it's in the cocktail after I've made that recipe. But I do make sure like all the other ingredients that are going into it are fresh, like juices and syrups and stuff like that to make sure that it should taste correct. Right. And... I try to, I rely heavily on the flavor Bible, which is a book mm -hmm. and I'm blank Karen page. I'm pretty sure is the author's name and the vegetarian flavor Bible, especially are, they are my Bible um, yeah. when, when creating these cocktails, because I know like flavor pairings, that's how I figure it out. And then I can find the alcohol from there. So I don't have to taste a hundred alcohols. I can be like, Hey, I am looking for a mastia because it tastes like carrots and I want to mm. put ca carrot flavor in this cocktail or whatever it may be. So I rely How heavily awesome. on reading. Yeah. What a great resource to have though. Like, yeah, that, that is, that is just so cool to be like, okay, I want something bitter or I want something that like you said, tastes like carrots and you can look up that exact thing. That's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about your career too. And it seems like you've had just these really sort of strong leaders in these, in these bars where you've worked. I was thinking about Amy Ward at our house and I was thinking about Chelsea Gregoire at True Chesapeake and, and now Lydia Chang at, at Nihau. I'm sure there's many others um, that, that you've worked with along the way, but 
you know, how have sort of these mentors kind of helped you? And, and I'm sure Greg, your, your now husband too, has helped you too. Like how, how have they been a support system in the, in the service industry? And, and, you know, how has that sort of helped you along the way? Uh, I, I'm not going to downplay Greg cause he's been a huge <laughs> support the whole time in every way, right. In a husbandly way, in a bar manager way, I've been his boss at points and he's been my boss at points. We've worked together like at many different places around the city. So it's funny, but this is going to sound kind of silly, but like when he tells me I'm beautiful, I'm like, Oh, thank you. And I believe that, but it's way different when someone else is like, you're beautiful. You know what I mean? Does that sound shitty? No, I say that to my husband all the time. I'll be like, how does this look? And he's like, he he always says you look great, which Mm -hmm. is very wonderful and nice. But I'm like, he could say that if I was wearing like a potato sack. Exactly. And- <laughs> like he has to tell me that my cocktails are amazing because he's right. my husband. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, Greg, Greg was super, super helpful when I wanted to learn how to make a, a good cocktail, right? Like a craft cocktail in the beginning. And then I had known Amy because when Greg and I started dating, he worked at old bad decisions and that was across the street. From that's what house. I figured. That's where I figured yeah. things got started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was at bad decisions and Amy worked there. So I knew Amy and when I started uh, at our bar, I was working at Southern Provisions and I told Greg, like, I really want to work for Amy. And he said, go apply then. And I was like, I'm too scared. Like Amy is this huge, intelligent, beautiful personality. And I was like, like, I'm going to mess this up. Like I didn't have any confidence in myself. I started working at our bar. And to this day, I think that's my favorite job I've had in the industry that we have like a rad crew at our bar there. And one of my good friends is Anna Kent, who I know was there around that same time too. Oh, she was there. She is part of it. She is in it. So, and that was was such a a fun time. That was such a fun time, even from like a consumer standpoint, like all the themed menus you guys were doing, all the events, like when you host a trivia night, wasn't that? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I had such a fun time. My first ever cocktail on a menu was at our bar, our bar and it was the John Waters menu and my mm. cocktail was the hatchet face. It was amazing. Wait, did that and have Amy, a green pepper in it? It did. Yes. yes. I remember that drink. I oh remember that drink you knew that. because I was like, I remember seeing it and being like, is that a jalapeno? Because if so, that's the biggest jalapeno I've ever seen. Right. And then so- when I realized it was a green pepper, it kind of blew my mind. So that is why I appreciated Amy so much because my favorite types of cocktails to make, even to this day, are the ones where like you might read them and be like, I don't want to drink that. That sounds so weird. And then you drink it and you're like, this is delicious. Yeah. So Amy supported that in so many ways. And Amy was also the first person that I worked for where I openly told her my fears about being a sober bartender and Mm. And like, how do I do this? Like, she was like, (laughs) you are going to do this and you're going to kill it. And you're going to be the best sober bartender Baltimore in the world has ever seen. And it helped me out. And then, and she is still, she calls it positive hollering. We still talk almost every day and she is still one of my biggest support systems. And I love her for it. Like Amy Ward, you're amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Amy, a former guest of the podcast um, on the Amaro episode, she's, She's a force. She's in Chicago, but we're hoping she comes back soon. 
oh, we're getting her back. We're getting I her got back. A stealer. <laughs> I got a stealer. <laughs> I, yeah. I text her every day. I'm like, come home. Oh, and then awesome. from I met Chelsea. Uh, we didn't work at our bar together. I know Chelsea did like a stint at our bar at some point, but Chelsea would come in and, and do work for True Chesapeake while I was bartending. And when it was my time to leave our bar, um, I reached out to Chelsea because she had posted something about working at True Chesapeake. And she was like, I would love for you to come work for me. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, talk about being flattered. Yeah. Like, I was like, holy what? I didn't even know you knew who I was. And she was like, we've spoken several times. I was like, yeah, but you're Chelsea. Like, who am I? Again, you were like, you were like, there's this person, this force and who am I? But, right? but she gave you, I mean, they gave you confidence to come work. They for did, that, so. Yeah. It was a per, it was great to go from Amy to Chelsea because they are both very different, but they both won't let you not be confident in yourself. Mm. And crazy they're both so amazing Chelsea was really great with helping me hone in on like the business side and fine-tuning the hospitality right like mm, I could see I that. am I'm a force in the way that like I'm an incredibly loud person I always stand out in a room whether I want to or not and Chelsea like let help me hone that in and help me learn the business side where Amy got me to the point where like your creativity is awesome and not something you should hide this is, if you have any questions, this is how you do it. Amy and Chelsea are both great educators. And if you ever yeah. want to learn about anything, they're both going to give you the all of the tools to do that and find out more. And it's great. And I, I'm so humble that I had both of them in my life. And even more so that I'm, I still talk to Chelsea every day too. They both become yeah. like my best friends. So yeah. I'm a very lucky lady. But yeah, now you're at Nihau. So how did that happen? <sighs> Actually, Chelsea introduced me to Nihau. Um, so Chelsea was asking if anybody wanted to run their own bark program, and that, uh, if I knew anybody that did. And I was hmm. like, I, I do. And, and I think she asked me that because she, I have told both her and Amy, that's my end game. So uh, Chelsea said something about Nihau. I said, I want to do that. And she introduced me to Lydia and Piche, and it just worked out. And, and here I am six months later and I, I love it that Nihau is so incredible the food is amazing yeah I get to learn about Baijo I get to teach Baltimore about Baijo it's um, so cool so for people that wow. don't know about Nihau a you should um but yeah it is a, a modern Chinese uh restaurant in Canton and it opened Oh my God, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I know there were plans to open earlier, but some delays kind of made it so that it wasn't until March of 2020. What a great time to open a restaurant. Yeah. Um, and, but it's uh, from the family of the renowned chef, Peter Chang. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, the cuisine, you should know the cuisine is going to be good, but I think what might surprise people is how approachable it is, how affordable it is. And also that there's this amazing cocktail program signed by you that complements Chinese food. And I mean, you probably would never thought, okay, I'm going to have a bar program at a Chinese restaurant. That was, it had to be sort of out of left field, but it's, it seems oh. like you've just been doing the coolest stuff with it. Thank you. I'm really trying. So admittedly, like I'll, I don't really know much still about Asian flavors yeah. or culture at all, but I am learning and I'm trying and I have a great staff uh, that I work with who really helps me out in that arena. Uh, Lydia has given me a whole bunch of resources and there are the chef de cuisine there is Anthony. I'm going to butcher his last name. 
I was going to say, you know how to he's say He's going to yell at me. I don't. He told me once and I forgot. It's very Polish and it's it starts with like if you were to sound it out like Satchewitz, but that's not correct, Anthony. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I often times like I shouldn't say oftentimes it's like on a daily basis. I run my cocktail ideas by Anthony, but also the sous chef, Jesse Long, and then uh, Simon Lamb, who is the head R&D chef for the Peter Chang restaurant group. So oh, Simon cool. and Jesse every single day, I'm like, hey guys, what do you think about putting cumin and bell pepper vermouth in with vodka and a little bit of salt? And that's our dirty martini. And Simon was like, I love that idea. Let's do a dehydrated chili oil and sugared rim. And I was like, what? Whoa. So we need that. One of the cocktails on our menu, it's called the right time. And it is, it pairs with our food so well. It's vodka, cumin, bell pepper, steep vermouth. I obviously love to put bell peppers in cocktails. I was going to say, <laughs> I'm seeing a theme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a little bit of the salt. And if you drink it while having our food, it is like the perfect pairing. Oh, that's awesome. So, well, I did I order, think, I did order ahead. a second drink if we want to talk about it. I, this is the duck oh, fat yeah. wash old fashioned. Um, yes. Okay. Oh, what, this is called Gaga or? Gaga. Okay. So many things to tell you about this. So let's start with the name. The name Gaga. Uh, one of the young ladies I work with is Chinese. Her name is Casey. And she knows that I love Lady Gaga. Yeah. And one day I was talking about the duck fat washed old fashioned. And she let me know that quack in Chinese is Gaga. So no oh brainer, gosh. right? Like yeah. gotta pair my love for Lady Gaga with it's quack. So it, the drink is called quack, but really Gaga. <laughs> and I know that like in recent years in the past, I don't know, I'd say like 10 years, it was like the rage to fat wash things with duck fat and bacon. Yeah. And these like decadent things. And I was like, is this played out? And then I was like, you're silly. The highlight of your menu is Peking duck and you have a plethora of duck fat and why not use it in the second application so you're not wasting it? Like absolutely do a duck fat wash old fashioned. So that is our household fashion at Nihao. And it's paired with a Sichuan peppercorn simple syrup and just ango and orange bitters and it's beautiful. It's so good. I and it's I, I do remember the trend of of fat washing everything and and it does give this really silky texture to a cocktail mm. that's really nice. But what I love about the way you did it is you didn't just do it because it was trendy. You did it because there's like you said Peking duck is like the main thing on the menu. It you they do it in these at home takeout kits which is it's brilliant and it's hard work to get it to translate to a carry out menu and they did it. Um, yeah. So you did it for a purpose and I think that's lovely. And I love um, Szechuan like in drinks, like that oh, Szechuan yeah. Amaro um, that Baltimore Spirits Company makes. It's oh, so love, good. Uh, yeah, we have that in a couple of cocktails too. I love that stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> I, that, that makes perfect sense for the for the restaurant. It's just- That was the first thing I thought of when I got hired at Nihau. I was like, got to bring in that BSC Szechuan. <laughs> I mean, that's exact. Talk about no brainer. Like that's the move. It's, it's yeah, so yeah, good. For sure. Um, So we talked a little bit about COVID and ever since you've worked at Nihau, it's, we've been in a pandemic. So mm -hmm. how have you guys been pivoting? I mean, the sad irony about Nihau, and although I know indoor dining's open back up now, but it has this beautiful dining room that they put all this work into and the bar is gorgeous. And you know, oh, that yeah. all had to just be filled with like takeout containers and stuff. So, so what has it yeah. been like and how have you adjusted and, and sort of where, how do you feel right now with everything? Nihau is in the old Fork and Wrench building, for those of you who may be familiar with Fork and Wrench, and they did an outstanding job 
uh, redecorating it and making it a Chinese American restaurant, making it Ni Hao. It's beautiful. Um, when I first started there, we were to go only, which I don't, I'm not that familiar with other Peter Chang restaurants, but um, it's a Chinese restaurant, right? So like Chinese restaurants and takeout are synonymous, at least in my brain. Yeah. So the takeout model that they're running still currently is not something new. So it, we knew that was going to be a huge hit, right? Right. So it is different from a bartending standpoint and the rest of our front of house staff, we are all very service driven, right? Giving you the best hosp- hospitality experience you possibly can. There's a lot, that, been, a lot of adjustments. I, every time that yeah. I've had an experience at Nihau, um, like oh, we were there opening night, standing in line, getting takeout. And, um, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody brought us cookies and they were so nice. And, yeah. um, and even just like getting the cocktails tonight, like the packaging was beautiful. It was like written on in red and black marker and it's little things like that. But when you can't have a restaurant experience, you know, I, I'd really appreciate the little things that businesses are doing to, to make it special anyway. Um, yeah. I know that Pichet is really conscious of reheating instructions, but for you, for cocktails, are, do you conceive of a cocktail differently when you know it's going in a takeout container versus being poured right then and there? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, you won't find any fresh juices in my to-go cocktails because I want them to not only be, uh, Nihau's really awesome about being sustainable as best as possible. So you're right. not going to get any utensils in your takeout bag, but we'll certainly give them to you if you need them. And I want my cocktails to be shelf stable so we can keep them if they don't sell, but you can keep them in your fridge if you don't want them right away. So all of our cocktails are shelf stable and I do have juices for dine-in cocktails. And we were going to do two completely separate menus. Um, So our to-go cocktails, you cannot get dine-in. However, you can get our dine-in cocktails to go, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because I was I was excited to see that not that it's going to last that long, but that the old fashioned could have kept for three days in the fridge. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's reasonable though. Like it, it makes sense, um, and it's just nice to have those clear instructions because I'm so, I'm certainly not a bartender, so it's just nice that you told me to shake it. It's nice that you told me how to serve it. It's nice that you yeah. gave me garnishes. Like I appreciate that, and I can kind of pretend. That, yeah. you know, this is how it would look at a bar. And I did get really beautiful pictures in some nice sunlight of your cocktails that I'll, I'll send to you because oh, awesome. I wanted to, make, I want to make sure that it still, you know, can kind of resemble what you would look like in a bar. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, and um, it's, always, and it's never going to translate the same, but the taste is the same. And that's the important thing. They're still going to taste great. Yeah. That's, that is the important thing. And it's, and it, what's nice about it is like, at least now we're a little more conscious about like we have like the little round ice cubes and I feel like people are a little bit more conscious of making things similar to how it would be at a bar but I still really really miss the bar experience I can't wait to get to get back to it we are all missing that human interaction like that's why we got into this we didn't get into this Uh, I mean I love making cocktails and that helps but the part of the reason I love making cocktails is because I love making them for other people Right. I love it when someone sits down and they say, I normally drink, you know, vodka soda, but I want to try something new. What should I try? And I love getting them from A to Z or A to X or A to K or wherever we end up just by talking to you for a couple, asking you a few simple questions 
and I can get you into a fantastic drink. I feel like a car salesman saying, I can get you into a fantastic <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> I can get you a fantastic cocktail, the lowest price. Um, yeah. No, it is, but it's, it's nice. It must be so nice to get that direct feedback. Like now you, you, like I said, like I have a friend that says he likes Baiju, but like, for you to hear that right from a customer is is so nice. Um, when you told me that, I was so flattered. I'm a, I'll Whoever your friend shot. is, listen, your bio's on me next time you come in, friend. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll make sure he listens to the podcast. Same. Um, bio so, is a really cool ingredient. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about it. I want to. I want to yeah. hear about it. By no means, I have no authority on bio, but I've read a couple of books and I've tasted some things. So long story short, Baijiu is most closely related to whiskey. It's uh, distilled from sorghum and wheat, and its distillation process, its sacrification and fermentation process are so cool. We're not going to get into that nerdy part, but like you should look it up. It's awesome. Okay. It's cool. like an ancient method. It's so cool, and no other spirit is done like that. So Baijiu is actually Chinese ancient. I mean, that we're going back very far. Oh so yeah, it's exactly that. It's probably that people say the Egyptians had the first alcohol. It was the Chinese. It was Baijiu. Yeah. So it is um, a very high in alcohol content, uh, clear spirit, very delicious. And Baijiu has four major care, uh, categories, excuse me. They are strong aroma, light aroma, rice aroma, and sauce aroma. So hmm. rice aroma, it smells like rice, right? And, and sauce aroma, which is the one I have in the Inch of Gold cocktail we were talking about, it kind of tastes like soy sauce. And mm -hmm. Baijiu goes through this really amazing flavor story where it starts out usually with something fruity and juicy, but like tropical fruits, pineapples, passion fruit, something like that, something floral in the center or anise. And then it ends with funk. And don't be hmm. scared of the funk, but like no, sometimes I, the funk is like, you know how when you step in a, a pile of dead leaves, you get that smell and it just hits you? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's that funk. Sometimes it's blue cheese funk. Don't be scared of the funk. It sings so well with those tropical fruits and, and other, oh, so good. Embrace the so, funk is what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah. Lydia made me privy to the fact that uh, a lot of people steep or infuse their baijiu with fresh ingredients, fruits, vegetables, whatever. Cool. So in the inch of gold, I took jujubes, which are a Chinese date, essentially, very fruity, very sweet, and steeped the baijiu with jujubes. And if you were to taste this sauce aroma baijiu next to this jujube infused same baijiu, it's unreal that they're the same thing. Totally different. And that jujubes have changed this flavor story so much. Wow. But So it's kind of this, it's this canvas that you've been able to play with, which is so cool. Yeah, the first the first Baijiu cocktail I had on the menu was just a Baijiu Negroni for two reasons. One, I'm very I'm still very new to, new to Baijiu. I don't know that much about Baijiu. I've still yet to taste a rice aroma Baijiu. So if anybody has one, holler at your girl. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm learning, right? And also, yeah. so Nihao's story is is kind of Lydia's story, right? She is Chinese, but she is also an American. It's Chinese American, so. Working with the Negroni, it was my way to have people who might be familiar with Negronis and craft cocktails, but like the people of Baltimore, of Canton, of Baltimore City, here is Baijo, and this is the best way for me to introduce it to you. Because right. almost everyone, whether they've had a Negroni or not, is familiar with the word, the cocktail, whatever. Like, oh, okay, I know what a Negroni is. This is a Baijo Negroni. 
Yeah. It wouldn't scare people. Yeah. So that's how I started. And then that, that bought me a little time to uh, <laughs> play around with the Baijo to see like, all right, what, so this Sacerone Baijo I use, it starts out with like green apple and honey has like an anise middle and it has a very funky back end. And I, at first I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but that's the type of spirits and cocktails I love to play with. Yeah. So I was like, challenge accepted. This is going to be so much fun. So I had this idea to do the inch of gold completely inspired by the Lunar New Year, which we just celebrated. Right. Um, jujubes and tangerines are often served at Lunar New Year. So I was like, oh, these are fun fruits. Like, let me try these out with the Baijo. Jasmine tea is a great tea. And it's also a tea used in China, like welcome someone. So Jasmine mm -hmm. tea is like a welcoming hospitality thing. So I was like, that makes sense. And then I made yeah. a pineapple allspice shrub to bring out more of those tropical fruits and flowery flavors and it I had no idea how it was gonna work and then I tried it and I was like this is one of the best cocktails I've ever made it's so good I could see how the funk and the tropical flavors could really balance each other out now so the baijo that's in this drink is that the one with juju berries in it yes yeah yeah so how long does that take to to infuse like a perfect steep is four days okay. but I can reuse the same jujubes which is also oh, awesome that's for sustainability nice. purposes. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So they last for about four steeps. Okay. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll have to, now I'll have to try it with the Baijo in it. So that'll be my yep. next homework assignment. Yeah. So I know that obviously this year has been super stressful for everyone in the service industry. And I wanted to talk about the work that you do with Herd, which is a nonprofit for industry people struggling with mental health issues or sobriety. You seem like a natural fit, but I just wondered like how you got involved with them and what kind of work you do. A lot of my story, I had to get sober to focus on my mental health. Other people mm -hmm. have to focus on their mental health and their sobriety can come afterwards, but they are hand in hand. Right. And I suffered with anxiety and depression while I was drinking and it got a lot better when I stopped drinking, but I still have these issues, right? Yeah. And in our industry, nobody talks about that. We don't get health insurance. We don't have, it's very uncouth to like be on bar and be like, Hey man, I'm having a bad time. Like, yeah. What is people, that? That's people not, would be like, suck it up. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Put on. Cause that's, I mean, there are plenty of times when I've walked into work and I'm having a terrible day and you know what? I have to like bake it or I don't get my tips, which means I don't get my money for the day. Right. And that's terrible. We live, whether you're back of house, front of house, whatever, this, this job is a lot of time thankless, thankless, unfortunately. And it's incredibly stressful. Um, and you're front facing all the time, even when you're having a bad day. So right. myself and another sober local sober bartender, Anna Welker, um, in lockdown, we had talked about doing some sort of meeting here locally, but in lockdown, we were like, this is it. Like we got to do this right now. Like unemployment wasn't working for almost everyone we knew myself included. And it was, you know, this past year has been a mental health hell crisis. So yeah. we were like, let's do this. So I bought zoom, I bought like a zoom membership and we started like posting, we called our meeting, the industry check-in. We were posting on like Reddit, pages and all of these other pages, the uh, breath Facebook page, and then the industry United national like Facebook page. <laughs> and our first couple of meetings, we had people 
there were like six of us, but there were people from Portland and Vegas and oh. everywhere. And then uh, Lush Life Productions is a company that does a lot of cool stuff for bartenders uh, for all over the United States and the world. They do Camp Runamuck, which is a camp for bartenders. Uh, they host Portland and Cocktail run Week, Portland right? Cocktail Week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're really awesome people. So they were doing educational pages on their Facebook. They still do. They're really awesome. But one day they had on a guy named Joel Revis. And Joel is the owner. Uh, I shouldn't say owner. He runs St. City Culinary Foundation, which is the parent group for Herd. And he was on talking about Herd. And it's funny because we were talking about what should we call industry check-in such a weird name for this <laughs> meeting. Like, what should we call it? And someone said we should call it Herd. Yeah. So that's how we originally found out about Herd. And then like three days later, he was talking to Lush Life. Wow. So I was in a, a different Zoom meeting, but Anna Welker tuned into the Herd thing. And she was like, he's doing exactly what we're doing, but it's in Texas with in-person meetings. So we reached out to him and, and to look for advice from him. Hey, how do we how do we get the things you have? They have things like discounted gym memberships for people in San Antonio and they have mental health resources. Like, how did you start this and how can we be a part of it? So we all had a meeting together. And at this point, we brought in Amy Ward, who was mm -hmm. part of the Herd organization and was part of our industry check-in. And then Keith Calvo, who was another Baltimore bartender. So we all met with Joel and we were like, we kind of want advice on how to do this. And he was like, well, I kind of want to expand Herd. How would you guys feel about doing a Herd Baltimore? And Amy awesome. was like, but I'm in Chicago. <laughs> So she, he was like, well, we can do a Herd Chicago coming up soon. And we kind of asked, but we don't want to get rid of this meeting. Like, what do you think about adopting this meeting? And he said, yeah, let's do Herd online. So it snowballed so quickly, but it turned into myself, Anna and Keith are all now the program directors for Herd Baltimore. We are going to launch Herd Baltimore in mid-May. Awesome. We're going to launch with things like having yoga classes uh, one day a week. We're going to talk to local gym memberships to get local gym memberships uh, discounted for industry folk. And we also uh, paired with the Herd Organization, paired with Galileo, which offers 24-7 doctor, doctor visits for $9 a month. So you can wow. see a doctor, you can get prescriptions for $9 a month if you are participating in Herd and you're a member of the hospitality industry. So you can find out more about that at iheardyou.org. You can also reach out to me. My email address is ashleymack at mac.com. There's no K on those Macs, just M-A-C. Um, and I can put um, links and your email and stuff in the show notes for people too, so they can they can check it out there. Okay. I I think what you Amazing. guys are doing, yeah. you and Anna and, and Keith, it's, it's incredible. And I, you know, like I said, it's been such a tough year and no one would blame anyone for just like curling up under the covers and not wanting to do crap. And, and there's plenty of days where we all feel like that and we all do do that. But yeah, I think it's just really inspiring that you, that you said, okay, no, let's, let's do something about this. Um, and you did your research and you put the time in and, and everybody's going to be, you know, stronger for it. So thank you for like, just doing that amazing work for the service industry. Yeah. I know it's, it's so important. And and like you said, just destigmatizing those me that mental health stuff, just when you're having a, a crap day and, yeah. you know, it's being able to so talk mean. about it. So I hope, I hope more people embrace that and, and just check into those meetings. And I think it's, I think it's really important. Um, yeah. So, 
I wanted to end um, the segment, although I feel like we could talk for like three more <laughs> hours, but um, yeah, I fair. wanted to sort of end <laughs> on a, a kind of a fun high note um, with a little rapid fire question. Um, so I, I tend to ask everybody at the end of podcasts, although it's, it's adjusted a little bit with COVID. <laughs> um, okay. But um, I wanted to know, and when I say cocktail, I mean, spirit free anything, because I think everything should really just be called cocktails. Cool. Oh, yeah. feel the same way. Spirit free cocktail is the term to use, please, folks. I, not I like a mocktail. It. It's not a fake cocktail. It's real. It's just I love doesn't that. alcohol in it. I love that. I thought... <laughs> I've been re- like this past year, just been reading a, a few different uh, zero proof spirit free books. And I love that they call them them cocktails. I think that mocktail term is is on the way out, thankfully. Yes. Um, so what is your favorite at home cocktail? Espresso, espresso shots mm. and Diet Coke. That's like and water, lots and lots of water. So I don't I don't really make cocktails at home. Do you do the espresso shots and then like backed by a Diet Coke? Is that what's happening? No, it's either an espresso shot or a diet coke I like see. i have a shot of espresso in the morning i have a diet coke with dinner and the rest of the day it's just water just water that's yep. that's great though I, I love that espresso shot in the morning you're just like i'm not even messing around with coffee just like i'm not a morning in. and i rip it like it's a shot too like sometimes i like cheers it to my dog i'm like you ready girl like let cheers <laughs> cheers lulu let's go <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta get this day going yeah i'm not a morning person so it's like a real kick i'm like let's do this <laughs> And is there a cocktail that you miss having at a bar, like some kind of mixed drink that you would get at a bar? Like, let's say you go visit Greg at the bar or one of your buddies at the bar. Like, what do you like to have while you're sitting there? My goal, the way I make spirit-free cocktails, right, is to make you feel like you're drinking alcohol. For, for I make them for someone like me mm-hmm. who wants so badly to be able to drink but cannot. Right. Um, and other alcoholics try to do the exact opposite. Like they don't want anything that mimics alcohol at all because it might be a trigger. But for me, right. I'm like, get me as close to that point as you possibly can, which is probably why I love the Giffard Aperitif Syrup so much. Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't even like bitter drinks when I was drinking, but it's the closest thing that reminds me of alcohol. It's a Campari, right? That's that. Yeah. Campari substitute. Yep. Yeah. That's so, such a distinct flavor. It's so interesting. It's like how there's certain vegetarians that like don't want something that resembles meat. And then there's mm-hmm. others that that want that like impossible burger because it yeah looks and smells like meat or whatever um mm-hmm. it just yeah it's just so interesting to me yeah um so, oh I, i'm gonna change my answer i love non-alcoholic mai tais give me all of your ore shots especially if it's oh, housemade so you just good. made me think of that i was like yeah <laughs> and that is so funny because usually mai tais are like jet fuel like you can like you have one and you're like yeah they're usually so strong you know yeah that's a good answer. So what we might have already talked about it. What's your personal favorite cocktail to make at Nihau? The right time. The right time. I, that martini, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I am so obsessed with that cocktail, but I, I will say the inch of gold is probably one of the best cocktails I've ever made. The the Juju B drink is probably one of the best cocktails I've ever made. But I am obsessed with Cambier Kumel, which is the cumin liqueur. I think that's my favorite alcohol to play with. It's cumin alcohol, right? So if you don't like cumin, you're not going to like it. But if right. you, that is one of those ingredients that I love because you're like, I don't want to drink cumin. That's so weird. And then you drink it and you're like, oh my God. Oh, but that yeah. sounds awesome. The right I- time. It's our house dirty martini. If you're at Nihau, get it with your food. It is amazing. We also have it to go. So Okay. Good. That's on my list too for next time for sure. 
yeah. then this is a total hypothetical dream world situation. But if if COVID disappeared tomorrow and ever you knew everything was super healthy and everyone was super healthy, what does kind of your perfect Friday night in Baltimore look like? If you're not working. Right. Okay, I was gonna say I'm behind the bar. Obviously, it's Friday night. <laughs> okay, maybe um, more like Sunday night for for industry people. Yep, yeah, yeah. That is technically my Friday is Sunday, so perfect. Yeah. I would be visiting other friends' bars. It's so sad. Like all of my friends are also bartenders. I know that's I'm that's the best. Any non-industry friends. Yeah, but, but your schedules nice. are the same. It makes sense. Yeah, it's true. We do get to spend our days off together. But like, I would grab a friend who was also not at work and we would go bar hopping. I'm also weird like that. Like I love going to bars. Yeah. (laughs) I love meeting people. I love seeing what's on other people's menus. I want to know, like, I want you to make me that spirit free cocktail and then I'm going to judge it. Like, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you want to be social and you want to be like in a fun atmosphere and have music. I mean, there's a lot oh, more yeah. to bars than just the drinks, right? Like there's a Socializing. lot. Socializing. Yeah. I can't wait to dress like a human being again and not like wear Same. my pajamas all the time. I, I did mean, my makeup for the first time last week since my wedding day. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> Isn't but, it strange? Uh, I, I wore tights and a dress recently and I was like, forgot to put like how to put on tights because I hadn't done it in so long. Right? Right? <laughs> Am I doing this right? And it just felt, it felt really weird that it wasn't like an elastic waistband (laughs) (laughs) I feel you dude I feel you (laughs) so you would go bar hopping anywhere in particular that you'd want to visit I know it's hard to play favorites but uh Dutch Courage is always up there I'd go visit Tammy over at Bluebird uh Mr. Nice Guy Cocktails of course where where the homies are at you know yeah and now Bluebird's got the new Decline Duvel space is reopened so Mm -hmm. that's exciting and I think it's so cool that there are actually things opening, things happening, exciting places like Nihal, like as as depressing as and hard and, you know, for real hard as this last year has been, there's still so many people persevering in Baltimore. And, and I think it's, yeah, I can't wait to visit them all and tip big and just, you know, celebrate yes. everybody again. Yes. Yeah. That will be the day. Well, I, this has been, like I said, I feel like we could talk for like four more hours, but it's true. It's really been so great getting to know you. I thank you so much for your time. Everyone needs to go visit Nihao, follow them on Instagram and Facebook and all the things to see what mm-hmm. you're cooking up. Is there any way, like if people want to follow you, is there anything you wanted to plug in particular? Yeah, sure. I'm on Facebook or uh, excuse me. I'm on Facebook, Ashley Mac, but I'm also on Instagram at a Macri. A-M-A-C-I-Q-U-I-R-I, like a daiquiri, but a macquarie. Yeah. I love it. And like I said, we'll put all the information about herd and, and everything in the show notes so people can get that there. But thank you so much for having these delicious cocktails on the menu that I was able to have tonight and just sharing your story. I can't wait until we can catch up in, in person. This has been so much fun. I don't even remember what I said. So hopefully I made sense. Oh, it was, you made perfect sense. I really sense. had a great time. Thank you so much.